This is the Behind the Micah podcast, where we discuss Jesus, community, and everyday life. I'm your host, Micah Stephen, and our goal is always to take people from where they are to where they need to be. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome to Behind the Micah podcast, and I'm so glad that you are able to be with us today. Listen, we have a special guest today uh, with us, and I'm going to introduce him in just a second, but Jason Cole is with us again, and man, it's so good to have you on here. Uh, Did you have a good 4th of July? Yeah, I was uh, this past weekend up in your old stomping grounds in uh, Indiana. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, Madison area, correct? Yep, that's where I was. Yeah. Um, yeah, good I, good time, good event. Was it good? Good saw, turnout? Yeah, yeah, I saw your parents. Yeah, well, um, I think that's a good thing. I'm actually headed that way later on today. But uh, you know what? Um, Fourth of July, did you do anything special? Did you do fireworks or anything like that? Yeah, we went to park in town for fireworks. It was, you know, it takes a lot to impress me with fireworks. So do people still set off fireworks like even after that, like in your, in where you're at close to where all you're all over. Yeah. All over and every night. Like, and I got, and you got, you're in the same boat um, with me. Like I got a three-year-old at home that like, when we put him down for bed, it's like quit shooting fireworks off. Or I'm going to punch you, you know, like <laughs> um, anyways. Yeah. We, we had a great 4th of July as well. Um, it was pretty good. We do an event at our church and it was uh, packed this year, believe it or not. We had like 4,000 people show up to this event and uh, free fireworks, free food, free entertainment, free face painting. You know, um, I almost got a teardrop put on my I had a, yeah. paint a teardrop on my <laughs> eye with like the stars and stripes painted inside of it. Painted uh, or permanent? Uh, not not permanent. I, I just can't. I can't get behind the uh, everything above the shoulder tattoos. Like I can't, I, I I'm, I'm a hate, I'm a hater of the Cardinals, right? Baseball and Yachty Molina makes me, his neck tattoo makes me sick. Makes, yeah. Makes me sick. Yeah. Every time I see it, I think, man, my son ever comes home with one of those things on his neck. <laughs> hey, uh, <laughs> anyways, um, Hey, uh, our guest today is a good friend of mine. He comes to us from the metropolis of Chocawinity, North Carolina. He is Jason Big Slim Kirkman, and he's with us today. Jason, good to have you, man. Oh, great to be with you guys. I appreciate it. Looking forward to it. So I've been trying to get you on this thing for a while now, and I finally got you to agree uh, to do it. I felt like there was one piece of North Carolina that was still missing, right? Cause you, I've had guys like Bobby Wallace on here. I've had DJ Maxi. I've had Dave McCants. I've had even Greg Coverdale, um, on here. Uh, Keith Wood. Come on, man. Wow, and, and yeah. So, and we're going to, we're going to touch on that in just a second, but man, I was like, man, I got to get Jason. Where's Jason Kirkman? Cause he fits in, in that group. Uh, and and finally you agreed to be on the show i keep like i try to stay low-key man i mean i'm down here and i actually live in washington north carolina but the church is in shakawinity which is just like right across the river both counties we are separated by a river and um got the north side south side but uh anyway um so yeah i just try to keep low-key man i don't like everybody knowing what i'm doing you know (laughs) might get in trouble (laughs) well so me and you uh we met 
the first time we met, uh, gosh, that would have been like, how long Man, it's ago? Probably, it's probably been 10 years, if yeah. not more. Yeah. Probably more. It's been more than 10 years. Yeah. Um, was Did I have a kid yet at the time? No, 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 no. I, I think y'all had just got married, if I'm not mistaken. If I'm okay. not mistaken. Okay. But you came down and did a revival, did you not? Yeah. Yeah. I came down, preached, preached at the church there um, yeah. to this day. Um, and I've been to a few places down there since, since that time. Um, to this day, I don't think there's a place better than uh, Boss Hogs Barbecue. Is that still a thing down there? It, it's still here. Yes. It's Dude. still here. And yes, Eastern North Carolina barbecue is the best. I agree. That Western style, uh, Western North Carolina style, no. But it's got to be East. It's got to be the vinegar based. We we did a we did a revival down there, and uh, I think me and my wife was hanging with you. I think, I think Aaron Stokes was with us that day. Yeah, and, and we went uh, we went out to you took us to a place, and I'm not kidding. When we pulled in, for those of you who have never been to this place before, which is probably a lot of you listening, uh, Jason takes me to this place uh, to feed us, and I'm not really sure what I because we pull up to this place. I'm not really sure. I mean, I look at it, and I'm like. <laughs> Eh, I'm. I mean, and then we go in, and um, it was awesome. Like it might be the best food I've had in in Carolina. And I think Boss Hogs, I believe, has since moved since you were here. They took over. There was a Captain D's in Washington, and it went out of business. And Boss Hogs moved there. And I don't think Boss Hogs was there when you were here. I don't and remember. So, yeah, because so now it's 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 a pretty nice place. Yeah, you know, it's not the hole in a wall that it was, um, but uh, food's still the same. I mean, it's the same, same cooks, same everything. So it's still good. Isn't it true that um, a lot of the hole in the walls are have the better food? Right? They do. I mean, they, they, yeah, look, they do. They look bad, but they but they taste really good. My wife would agree with that statement wholeheartedly. Yes. Those uh, the boss hogs and uh, I think you took me to a place in Greenville called Pops. Yep, man, Pops went out of business. Did it really? Or no, no, he didn't go out of business. He retired, uh, and nobody wanted to take it over. Yeah, so it's gone. But yeah, man, best, it was the best hamburger in all of Greenville. <laughs> it was. Man, uh, good times, man. Yes. Um, man, how how are things going at the church? How are things going for you at Hall Branch? Um, they're going well. Yeah, they're going well. You know, I I think probably much like what you guys with everything that has happened since March of 2020. Church has changed a lot. Uh, things that were once normal are now not, <laughs> not the norm any longer. Uh, things that you wish you could go back, uh, you're not going to be able to do that for whatever reason. Mm. Um, some good, some bad. Um, but, but for us at Hall Branch, the times, the time since March 2020 till now, has been an excellent time for us as a church. Um, you know, where we are, and, and Micah, you know where we're out there in the, I mean, you're just not going to drive by Hall Branch. Um, right. It's out in the middle of nowhere or Dead End Road. And um, and so what we were able to do, everybody remembers when that first hit, you know, about church services. Are you going to have church services? Are you going to keep going with church services? What are you going to do? Hmm. All those kinds of things. We went two weeks with the online stuff. And uh, I don't know about y'all, but I hated it. Yeah, I hated it. Yep. And, and um. In fact, the fir- after that first Sunday of virtual, the elders we met, and I remember my wife, when she was at Roanoke Bible College, she was on, they had a group, Masters 12, which was a singing group, and they would travel around on spring break and 
to different churches. And they went down to Daytona on this tour. And this church, and I can't remember the name, but it might be Daytona Church of Christ. I can't remember. But anyway, they met in a old shutdown drive-in theater. That's where the church was. Huh. And so you just pulled up, you know, you took that speaker, hung it on your side window yeah. and you did church that way. And I thought of that and I said, man, we need to do that because we have the capability out here. You know, we're not going to, people aren't going to get mad because how loud it is out here, those kinds of things. And so the elders, we met that first week after we went virtual and we decided to do it. And it took us a week to get everything together, getting a trailer and getting that, all, all the logistics of that put together. And, and our attendance stayed, in fact, our attendance grew during that time. Wow. Uh, just because people liked, much like us, hated the virtual stuff. Yeah. And they wanted to be around people as best they could. Right. And they drove out there. And, and, and so it, it, it did very well for us. And so when we came out of it, what we noticed when we went back in the building, boom, our attendance went down. And so we went back to the parking lot. Huh. And, um, but we've been back in the building for over a year now, about a year and a half. But, uh, but the attendance is, is picked up and it's, it's going well. Yeah. And so I just think the pandemic, as much as I hated it, it helped us as a congregation because it, it opened the door to a lot of people who would never have come to Hall Branch if everything was the norm. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, I mean, for sure. Did, did you, um, do, do you think it made you better as well? Just because I think sometimes we get caught up in, just the routine of everything. And it kind of made yeah. us, you know, cause a lot of churches, I think they struggled because they weren't ready for it. Right. And so when it came, it rocked them. Like, what, what do we do? Where do we go? How do we, yep. mm -hmm. you know? And so I think um, it was kind of a way that, you know, the positive is made, made a lot of churches like, Hey, might have to put a little effort into this to make it. So oh, we yeah. can keep, you know, that's exactly right. It, it, it caused our, we, we've got a great worship team, uh, Nathan Carlson leads worship. He's been leading worship for us for 10 years. He's part-time, got a regular job in Greenville. And, um, and that worship team and what they did, because it was not easy getting everything together. And then, and then myself and, and everything else, it just caused us to look at ministry and what we did through our worship services in a much greater way and try to do it in a better way because that was the only, you know, for, you know, six months or so, that was the only time that people were really around each other yeah. was when they came on that parking lot um, out there beside the church. And you could just witness when people, they would pull in the parking lot, their total demeanors were, would change because, mm -hmm. Hey, they're seeing other people yeah. <laughs> as opposed yeah. to their husband and wife all day long. You know what I'm saying? Right. And so um, it, it helped us. I mean, it really did. It really did. Awesome. That's awesome. We, we were doing online stuff before, you know, like uh -huh. Facebook Live or whatever. Right. But but one of the things really kind of through COVID and everything I, I learned, I don't know about you guys, but how important that that live gathering is not replaceable. It's not. You know, and I didn't know. I didn't. I mean it seems stupid to say, I just didn't, I didn't know how real that was. No, it, it, it's very true. And I, you know, now, and I don't, I don't want to get off subject a little bit, but you know how in sports now with HD televisions and all those kinds of things, yeah, we're noticing a decline in the attendance in sports around mm. the country yeah. at, at certain places and in, in certain sports. Yeah. But for me, myself, 
you know, I've got season tickets to NC State football. I love being in the stadium. I, I love being there around other people, yelling, screaming, hollering, booing, uh, whatever it is that you're doing. And on that virtual, I don't know about y'all, but when I was preaching, it just yeah, you didn't have that feedback from the audience, yeah. Yeah. whether if they were amening you or even those folks that sleep every Sunday. <laughs> yeah. You know, you you weren't able to. I don't know that interaction that that you get. Just it, it wasn't there, and it was really really weird. Almost um, felt staged a little bit. Yeah, it, it was it, yeah. exactly right. And so we went to the parking lot now. Don't get me wrong. It was kind of like preaching at windshields, <laughs> and, but people would amen. You would hear uh, car horns honk, <laughs> those kinds of things, which was kind of nice. cool. Yeah, people would bring their dogs. We had a hamster come one time. Actually, <laughs> and so it was, it was that kind of thing. So it was cool. So we would announce the attendance. Hey, we've had we got two hundred fifty today, and we have three dogs. You know, which is mm. you know, and the people just love that kind of stuff. And it, it was no. really it was really good for us. Um, but yeah, the the virtual things, man, there is nothing that, um, that will take the place of being together, your church family, uh, in that church setting. I mean, I, I don't care what you do yeah. as great as it was. It, it wasn't the same. I, I agree 100%. Um, so I gotta, I gotta ask you about a story. Uh, so my son, my oldest, um, he is, he, he listens in the car with me and uh, he always asks for season one, episode 23. The guest that I had on that episode was Keith Wood. Okay. Keith Wood talks about a story about a group of guys who went to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania yep. um, in a Braves and Pirates game. Yep. Uh, in, a, in a Ford Aerostar van. Yep. That belonged to Keith Wood's mother. Yes, it did. I want to hear your your uh, vantage point of this of this story because I've heard this story a few times, and I'm not sure that I've heard it completely the way that it actually was. So I would love to hear just your vantage point of this story. Well, it's a long one, man. You say we got 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, well, so this was early night. This was early 90s, 92, maybe something like that. I get the Braves uh, and Pirates. Glory days. NLCS. Yeah. Um, you know, this was Andy Van Slyke, Barry Bonds, <laughs> pre-steroids. Bobby Drayback. Yes, all those got Bobby Bonilla. Um, I believe Bobby Bonilla was with the Pirates at that time. I might I might be mistaken. Um, but anyway, so, yeah, we took off in a Ford Airstar. And mind you, I'm, not, I'm neither a Braves or Pirates fan. I, I really don't like either of the teams. And so we, I said, yeah, everybody else was going. So I, it was maybe eight, nine of us, uh, something like that. So we jumped in Keithswood. He had a, his mom had an Airstar van, <laughs> the old boxy man, that thing. But anyway, so we took off to Pittsburgh from Elizabeth City, mm. which I can't remember how many hour drive it was. It was crazy. And so uh, we get there. And the first thing that I notice when we get out of the van as we park beside Old Three River Stadium in Pittsburgh, uh, was a but trailways bus that had come from Atlanta was full of Braves fans. The Braves at the time were up 2-0. And so Braves fans had brooms hanging out of the windows of this trailways bus. And, oh, man, the Pittsburgh Pirate fans went crazy. 
throwing stuff at the trailways bus. <laughs> you talk about Pittsburgh fans. There are there is no town meaner than Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I agree with that. Those folks, I don't care if they're Church of Christ up there and they might be listening <laughs> to this podcast. They're mean. All right. They're mean. And so anyway, so we get into the game. The whole during the entire game, we were like, I believe five rows from the top out in left field. So from our vantage point, we couldn't even see the left field. And I can't remember who the Pirates left or the Braves left fielder was at the time. We couldn't even see them. What was weird, so every pop fly looked like it was going to be a homer uh, from where we were. But we were ragged the whole game. And I remember when we were walking out of the stand, praise the Lord that the Pirates won because I think we would have died. They're throwing stuff at us during the game as we're walking down. Cause so we had to walk down through everybody as we were leaving. And uh, so we're getting heckled, th- yelled, we're going to kill you, blah, blah, blah. You know, <laughs> you can just imagine what's being said. And if I remember correctly, as we were walking across the parking lot, there was this group of pirate fans just started walking alongside of us, just yelling, screaming, hollering. Malcolm Puckett was with us, had a Braves fan. And Malcolm's a Nationals fan now, so tell me how that is. He was a Braves fan then, and now he's a Nationals fan. But anyway. Great question. Yeah, yeah, he had a Braves hat on. (laughs) And the next thing I know, this drunk lady Hmm. jumps on his back. (laughs) And I'm like, man, if if he throws her off, it's going to be a riot, man. These guys, they're going to kill us. I can't remember. She might have jumped down, but she grabbed his hat, threw it on the ground. It was going, oh, stomping on his hat. And she was drunk out of her mind. The next thing I know, I'm finally in the van. I'm in the back seat. We're in this van, and I'm not kidding. I don't know how many people were surrounded this van, but it's getting shook. I mean, it's getting rocked. It's getting rocked. Keith's in the driver's seat. They wouldn't let us shut the uh, – the sliding glass, the, not sliding glass, the, the, the door, the sliding door yeah. there on the side. And so it's getting rocked. And all I can hear is Keith yelling about his shocks, his shocks. You're ruining my shocks. <laughs> and the next thing I know, man, this guy came out of nowhere. And he was the biggest man I've ever seen in my life. He leaned his head in the door. He said, I'm going to get these people off, the, off this van. I need y'all to get out of here. And this dude started throwing people <laughs> off of the van he was just throwing we were able to shut the door and i mean we got out of there and there's probably a lot more to that i just can't remember i mean that was 30 years ago or so and i mean but that was probably the only time in my life that i'm like you know what i'm i'm gonna get really hurt we're gonna get really hurt here it was it was crazy it, well, it was crazy it sounded like keith keith wood's mom's shocks were gonna be really hurt too I that mean, was his only worry he was worried about his mom's shock <laughs> And then we stayed in a hotel. It was eight of us got one motel room. And uh, on our way back, we stopped by the – here's a quick story. I'll let you get back. No, we you're stopped good. by the National Zoo in D.C. as we were coming home. And so we went to the zoo. We did all this. And then we started riding through Washington, D.C. into the, uh, into the uh, Washington Monument. And we noticed all these quilts out on the lawn there. All these people was packed, all these quilts. Mind you, it's eight, nine guys in this Airstar van, all right? <laughs> and we're like, what is going on? And so we finally got to a stop sign, and there was all these people around. We opened up the, the sliding door and said, hey, man, 
what's going on? And they said, well, it's AIDS day here. <laughs> they said it's AIDS day, AIDS awareness day here in Washington. We look around, here's eight guys in a minivan. <laughs> we're like, man, we got to get out of here. So we left. <laughs> That's funny. Hey, there's, there's a part of that, that, that first story, uh, something about, I heard, uh, there were a few guys with you that were, were Compton cronies or, or something like that. Uh, I, yeah, I, I might've yelled. I was from Compton. <laughs> if I remember correctly. Um, I just remember I was in the back eating Reese cups as the band was getting shook. I do remember that. Um, so I must not have been too worried about dying. Um, but, but yeah, I, I, all kinds of crazy stuff. You know, say you're saying crazy stuff when you're, you know, 19 yeah. years of age, maybe 20. Um, yeah. So anyway, that's awesome. That's a great story. I mean, it, it was crazy uh, to be a fly on the wall, right? It was yeah. one of those things. I wish we had phones then where we could have videoed all this. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. It would have viral. It would have. It would yeah. have. So um, tell me a little bit about uh, how you got started in ministry. Uh, how, how long you've been doing this, man? Uh, how, how long is it? Because because you're originally from Charlotte, right? I am originally from uh, Charlotte, born and raised there. Uh, went to, well, Rona Bible College, it's mid-Atlantic now, uh, in Elizabeth City. I graduated in 96. I should have graduated in 94, but I'm one of those, uh, played around, messed around too much. <laughs> and, uh, so anyway, graduated in 96 and I actually came to Hall Branch my senior year on weekends as the weekend youth minister. At that particular time, they didn't have a, that Hall Branch had never had a full-time minister in any way, shape or form. And, um, and the, church has been there since 1887. Goodness. Um, so this was 96 or not, excuse me. Yeah. 95. When I came there part-time, I graduated in 96. And so I came there as a youth minister. And so I was full-time, but the lead minister, he worked at a uh, place in Plymouth, which is about 45 minutes from here. And uh, so he was just coming on weekends. Um, so I was there for a couple of years and I, I don't know, built a lot of great relationships with the people, loved it, loved it. Um, even though I was from Charlotte, it was a big difference from Charlotte to Chocolinity. Um, but uh, left there, went to Virginia, was there a couple of years, then went down there to Georgia, was there for a couple of years. And then I came back up here in North Carolina to a church, Union Grove, uh, which is in the same county here, Beaufort County, and uh, was there for a couple of years. And um, they had a minister who was going to retire, but it was taking a little bit longer than I wanted for him to retire. And uh, so that I could step into that role. But anyway, so the hall branch at the time where DJ was, he and I were roommates in college. Hmm. Wonder if I wanted to come over and be an associate, work with the youth and do some other things there in the church. And so my wife always loved hall branch, always loved the people. And I did as well. Hmm. And so we can't, we went back over there and that was, man, that was uh, August of 04. And um, so, uh, and then we hired Bobby Wallace. I moved into the associate role and then DJ left. And then I moved into the preaching role about 12 years ago, probably um, when he left. And so I've been doing that ever since. And uh, it's, it's been a little, you know, growing pains, of course, you know, them getting to know me, but I would just encourage anybody. I, I made the mistake of jumping church to church early on. And I shouldn't, I shouldn't have never done that. Um, I've just seen and learned that when you're at a place for an extended period of time, trust builds. And uh, oh, my 
between the church and me and myself and the church as well. You know, I trust them more now. They trust me. And so things are able to get done a lot more efficiently now. Um, And and they trust what I'm saying, even though I am wrong a lot of the time. Um, And, uh, and I can trust them because they, they want what's the best for me. And I I hope that they know, know that I want what's best for, for them. Uh, So, so yeah. So, 20, 20, I don't know, 20 some years of, of ministry yeah. mm-hmm. and, uh, crazy. Um, I told, I think I texted you the day, uh, strangest thing, man, ministry is weird and the different connections. Yeah. And I was, uh, I was at my grandmother's funeral and my dad's first cousin, his name is Donald. Uh, he comes through, right. And he comes up to me. Uh, I haven't seen him in a long time. I mean, um, and he comes up and he says, Hey man, uh, I think me and you have a mutual connection. I'm like, okay. I mean, who, who, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, somebody in Indiana or something like that. And he's like, you know, Jason Kirkman. I'm like, yeah, I know Jason Kirkman. He's like, he's like, I used to be one of his elders in Virginia. Um, oh, wow. was it, uh, was it Dublin? Were you in Dublin? I was, I was in Dublin. Yes. At, yeah. at Newburn Christian church. Okay. So I don't, I didn't remember the name of the church, but yeah, he, he said he was an elder there. Okay. Uh, when you were there, Donald Stephen. Yes. Uh, and uh, man, it's just a small world. Cause it, it, is. Was, just like, crazy. it was just random. Like that's crazy. Know, dro- dropped your name. Yes. But, but, uh, but anyway, yeah, I just thought that was crazy. Small that is world. crazy. Uh, so, so Sunday you, uh, I watched, I watched your sermon. Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, and I, and it kind of brought me to this topic of, I think something that we, uh, is, is a great topic to discuss, especially the time in which we live in, um, as a Christian, um, we go through different things. Um, and I was listening to a, I think it was like, I don't remember if it was like Caleb or something one day Mm -hmm. and I was listening and the person on there said, uh, I, when I came to Christ, my life got easier. And I'm like, I'm, I'm thinking to this, I'm thinking about this for a second. And I'm like, that's crazy to me because when I came to Christ, my life got a lot harder. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to me a little bit about this idea of persecution and, and do people really realize what they're getting into when they get into becoming a follower of Christ? I don't think a lots of times people do realize what they're getting into, um, I, I don't quite understand when people say it gets life gets easier, but I do understand the fact that once now, now that I'm in Christ, I can now handle things a lot better <laughs> than maybe I once could. Um, but I don't know that it gets easier. I think it was John 16:33 on Sunday yeah. uh, that I shared, you know, you know, Jesus is talking. He says, you know, he tells us that, Hey, you're going to have problems. You're going to have, I think the word is used tribu- tribulation there. Um, but then he says, don't worry about it though, because I've overcome the world. And um, I, I just think that lots of times, I don't know that we as ministers a lot, many times, I'm not going to say all the time, but maybe we don't do a good job of just stressing to people. Hey, listen, understand when you come out of that water grave of baptism, that's when the devil's going to start working overtime. That's when he's going to go wholeheartedly. He's going to go full force, you know, 100% um, after you. 
to cause to get you to doubt the decision that you made, whether it be maybe it's a physical illness that you're going to go through. And the devil loves saying, hey, God, would, if God loved you, you wouldn't be having this. Your mother wouldn't have developed cancer. No. Um, or if God loved you, man, you would have been laid off from your job. You know, and all those kinds of things. The devil's just going to go all out because that's what he wants because the devil hates us. And uh, he, he never wants to see us have that peace that we have in Christ. He doesn't want us to realize that. It's amazing to me. You look like through what Jesus called his disciples to. And it's almost like it doesn't yeah. fit with what we learn about ministry, you know, and, right. and growing a church. You know, he's like, hey, you guys, you got to carry your cross. You're going to be yep. dragged before judges and put to death. Come follow. There's the invitation. Be a disciple. Yep. It's going to be incredibly tough. It wasn't like. That's right. Life will be peachy, you know. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. I, and I think that's what I was talking about. Those churches, I was there for two years. I've got three of them, you know, in the first you know, seven years of, of being out in ministry. And what, what I would do was when things got tough, when things got hard, man, I would, I would look to duck, you know, I would look to, to get away from it rather than going through those doors. I would just close those doors and go to another one. And, you know, and I feel bad because I think I did a disservice to those congregations, but then sometimes I look back and I think, you know what, I think, God was also preparing me to understand and realize those mistakes that I made so that now where I'm at at Hall Branch uh, for 18 years, now I'm able to, to work through some of those things and understand and realize the importance of going through those hard times and the things that we go through. Um, you know, you know, on Sunday you shared a screen about, you know, all the, the persecution that disciples went through, you know, and how they died, you know, how they were put to death. Yeah. Um, and I just wanted our congregation to understand and myself is included is, man, we think we have it bad. You know, we right. think we have it tough, man. We really don't, you know, yeah. in the grand scheme of things, as a, as opposed to what those early followers had. Well, so, so, that, so not to, not to jump, I don't know if Micah's going here or not, but you know, we see, we hear stories in the mission fields, like India, yes. Africa, crazy stuff people go mm -hmm. through. And we've been, it's relatively been easy to be a Christian in America, even socially kind of acceptable. Yeah. Do you, do you kind of think that a, that's going to change and B that that's something that we need to preach on and prepare people for more? I think it is because I believe we, as a country, we don't really have uh, needs really in the United States of America. You know, I, I know I'm going to be able to provide food for my family. Um, I know I've got a good job. My wife has a good job, all those kinds of things. So as the United States, we haven't really, and this may sound bad, people, we haven't really needed God. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. To meet those everyday needs is what people might be thinking. Mm. But I believe we need to understand that, and I believe, and I do believe that's why in those missionaries in the countries that they are in, you know, they don't have the blessings that we have cars to drive jobs to go to all those kinds of things. And so their um, need for God is, is, is a great one. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, I, and I think our need for God, sometimes we don't realize that we do. I don't know. I just think sometimes we just don't realize that we need him 
because all of all the things that we not just needs but our wants are being met on an everyday basis mm. and and so when those hard times hit man we're like man what do i do now you know what, what who do i turn to now you I, it always drives me crazy uh, especially recently we got a lot of people who um and not not that it's it's not definitely a, a concern for, but when I see a lot of people talk about how like the church is being persecuted here in the United States and man, you're going to deal with persecution and deal with those things. I got to think like the church around the world who are in much tougher things, they kind of they kind of sit back and laugh like, are you serious right now? Like you really think yeah. you're going through come, come spend a day in our life, right? Come, come sit what we're going, see what we're going through. I, I, I don't know um, how much you read um, and I don't read as much as I'd like, but there's a book and, and I was telling Jason uh, this the other day, like a lot of Christian books, um, they kind of just say a lot of the same things. Um, and so sometimes I, but there was one book that came out a few years ago that I really, really enjoyed. Um, and it really hit home. Uh, and I know Jason read this as well called letters to the church by Francis Chan Okay, yeah. was a, was a fantastic, fantastic book. And in this book, he talks about how, uh, there are people over in places like, uh, he talks about a guy who, uh, is, is at a house church in Iran. And he, he said that, uh, for people who want to join that church, they have to sign this written agreement that, that is just agreeing that, Hey, there's a chance you're going to lose your property. There's a chance you'd be thrown in jail and be martyred for your faith. Um, and, and, and he says that that many Christians are arrested in Iran or either executed or imprisoned for years. Um, and he says the fellowship there looks a lot different than what it does hmm. here, here in the United States because of the persecution. And then he says, interestingly, some research shows that Iran has the fastest growing evangelical population in the world. Well, what do you think that but- is? Yeah, that goes hand in hand with the book in the book of Acts, you know, yeah. where it tells us that the church, but when the persecution happened, what they do, it tells us that the church scattered. Yeah. And because it scattered, the church grew even more and more because so because there are probably places that heard the gospel that wouldn't have if mm. there would have been no persecution. Everybody, the church would have stayed there in that one place and had this great little, you know, booming congregation, if you will, for lack okay. of a better word. But it tells us that the church scattered, and because of that, so God was using the devil as a tool, really, to spread His gospel. Yeah. You know, and so I, I just think that's the cool thing, and I think that's probably what's going on there in Iran, possibly, yeah. is because of this persecution. Maybe there is some scattering going on. Yeah. I don't know, but um, it's it's because people people see, man, when you stand firm, people respect that, whether they agree with you or whether they don't. When you stand firm, they respect that. And, and I believe for us as a church here in the United States of America, it's the greatest time for us to stand firm on the, the foundation, on God's word. And I don't care who you are, you got to respect it. And, yeah. and I think people who are outside of the church uh, see that and they'll say, hey, man, why, why, are, why are they this way? Why are they, you know, right. um, not going this direction when everything's going down this road, uh, they're going the exact opposite way. Um, and so I, I just think it's a great, op- we're in a prime opportunity for us as the church to get the message of Jesus out because people now more than ever are looking for an answer. My wife came home yesterday or one day last week. She said, man, guess what? I said, what? She said, 
my 401k, I've lost $10,000 of my retirement, you know, and I'm like, crap, what are you talking about? And, you know, and, and I say that to say, you know what, there's all now people's whole life is that retirement and money and, and all those kinds of things that we see now is kind of trending down. Hmm. And I think it's a prime opportunity as everything's trending down for us as a church. I think the church is going to be trending up here pretty, pretty soon. And I think it is. Yeah. I think it is. Do you think um, we, we don't understand persecution because we don't understand the implications of what being a Christian really even means? Oh, I, I think so. I, I think so. I, I think we see, I, I believe persecution strengthens us. I, I believe persecution can strengthen our faith and it strengthens our trust in God. That's the way it needs to be used and its intent really. And I think for us, we need to understand and teach people to understand that, hey, when you are going through this, in turn, what's going to happen is you're going to be able to help somebody who's going to be going through that same thing a week later, month Mm -hmm. later, 10 years later, whatever. And the way that you got out of that rut and the way that you climbed yourself out of the persecution, tribulation that was happening in your life, us in turn being able to help someone who is going through that exact same thing, man, you can't measure that. And, and, and I think that's way we, that's the way that I hope that I, I don't do it all the time, but I hope that's the way that I look at the things that I go through is I'm hoping that the Lord is going to use me to help somebody else as they're going to go through the exact same thing at some point, sometime. And I don't, I don't know who said it, but someone made a quote like the church in America isn't worth persecuting. You know, it, you know, is it, and I don't know if like our, our silence with evangelism, like the average church member or, you know, looking a lot like the world morally and in our thinking, you know, I, I wonder if there's not a correlation between not facing persecution, uh, opposition like that and uh, and that complacency mm. you know i i think a lot of it is is because of a lot of people and i and i've said this before um on the podcast um i think it's because people love this idea and i don't know if it's just because churches aren't teaching it or what but they love this idea that um becoming a christian means i'm saved from my sins mm. um, but, but, but the part that I think that so many struggle with is that when I give my life to Christ, I'm also surrendering to his lordship, right? And so my life is becoming a follower of him um, and, and, a, and a life that is a follower of, of Jesus, as Jesus says, is, hey, man, if you want to follow me, you got to daily take up your cross, right? And, and, and. I think there's a lot of people who have kind of weighed the pros and cons of that. Like I love, I love the fact that Jesus is my savior. I love the fact that he saves me from my sins. I love the fact that I don't have to go to hell, but I don't know about following. Like, I don't know about all that. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm good with, I'm good with the savior part. Not good with the Lord part. Oh yeah, that's exactly right. We, we kind of want, Christianity many times to be what we want it to be. Yeah. Um, and we wanted to define it in our own way. Like, as you stated, 
sins forgiven, yeah, we love it. Taking up the cross, man, that that takes work. That's that's tough. That's hard. That's burdensome at times. Yeah. And and I I think we just we want it such an easy way. Um, just like life, we want everything easy. Um, we don't have we want anything to be hard. And sometimes we don't just understand that Christian life, God never promised, Jesus never promised that it was going to be easy. Mm. And so just keep working, keep plugging away, and it's worth it in the end. Um if you stay true. So in, in, in Mark chapter eight, it says, it says, uh, starting with verse 34 through 37, it says, and calling, uh, calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return hmm. for his soul? And and I just wonder, like, if if when we are sharing Jesus with people and and um, you know, and seeing people come to the Lord, I just wonder if you know we're being clear enough to these people and saying, hey, you know, I'm not trying to scare you away from it, but I'm just trying to be a realist here, like. You know, when you, when you come to, because, because look, I've seen so many people, we've had a lot of people here come to Christ over the years um, that I've been in Odin. And I, and I just speak this, not because of in a boastful way, just seeing, just from my vantage point, right? Just, this mm-hmm. is what I see. Um, but we've seen a lot of people come to Christ, but then a lot of them, we don't see anymore. We haven't seen in a while. Right. And, and, and part of that I think is maybe on, on my end or our, our leadership's end on, you know, um, have we really stressed, like, you know, when you come to Christ, uh, it's going to be worth it, but it's also going to be, I mean, you know, there are going to be some things now, like we said a few minutes ago in the United States, it's, it's, <laughs> you know, persecution here is nothing compared to most places in the world. Mm-hmm. But, but do you understand what that means? Do, do you understand, you know, you know, there's going to be people who, uh, who are, who are going to maybe uh, trash you on social media. There's going to be people who uh, say offensive things. I mean, you, you talk about like just issues that we have in our world just in the last two months, three months, things that things that we you know would say on social media that people would just, I mean, absolutely tear into us for All right. standing on different things. Um, I guess the question is, is, is not making people sign a contract. I'm not saying that, but, but just <laughs> un- helping people understand, like, do you know? the implications of what's going to happen. Cause if that's not for you, then I'm not really sure that the Christian life is because that's what Jesus said was going to happen. Yeah. As you were talking, I was thinking, I think every church goes through the same thing. You baptize people and, you know, a year later, you hadn't seen them at church in a while, those kinds of things. And I think every church goes through that. Every, every church to some extent struggles with that at some point in time. Mm. And, and I wonder if, and it just hit me just now. I, I wonder if it would be someone wants to be baptized, get someone that is, you know, more mature in the faith in the church. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a senior citizen or something that they have seen all through this and they have stayed true to the Lord. 
maybe get them to sit down and just have a talk and get them to share with this person. Hey, you know what? When you get baptized, here's what you need to start looking out for. Um, here's what you need to be aware of. Because I think sometimes us, we, we three, we can do that. Mm. Um, but I think sometimes when people, the everyday person who doesn't have the, you know, the minister job, if you will. Sure. And the things that they go through are going to be a lot different maybe than what I go through. Yeah. yeah. And because of that, I think maybe the, the sharing from someone who maybe has gone through that, here's what you need to look out for. I wonder if that wouldn't be a good thing, thing to do. And I, I never, I wonder why I never encouraged that before, but I'm going to try to do that now. Um, try to get that working in some type of way. Because I just think other people's – I love hearing testimony. I love hearing testimonies. Hey, where one person – where this person was and where they are now. Yeah. I think if somebody can share that with someone who is becoming a Christian, all right, after I became a Christian, here's what happened. Here's yeah. all these things that happened in my life. My mom died. Dad died. My sister developed cancer. Um you know, my, my wife decided that she didn't love me any longer. Those kinds of things, for whatever reason, I know those are maybe extremes, but I think when you start sharing that stuff, but Hey, my God has stayed true to me. Yeah. yeah. He stayed true to me. I've stayed true to him. And because of that, I have a peace that the rest of the world doesn't understand. Yeah. And that's, I think can be a cool thing. There's a, um, there, there's a part of the reason maybe, and maybe this is, is why as well. Sometimes um, I don't know that I've ever thought of myself in this, in this standpoint, but I think sometimes in an effort to see people come to Christ uh, I don't want to say that we water things down, but sometimes, you know, we see people who come to Christ and, and we don't share with them because it might mean that they have to make a serious change in their life you know, whatever it is that, that they're doing. And, and I know in this book, he, uh, Francis Chan, he, he says in a, in an effort to be sensitive to others, sometimes we often lose sight of the truth. Right. He said, he said, true compassion takes into account far more than what a person feels today. It takes into account what he or she will feel on judgment day. Mm. And, um, you know, I just wonder, and, and I'm not trying to be that guy who's just like, you know, pounding the, the gavel. Uh, but I, but if, if we're being honest, um, you know, I think, I think we have to be now we have to do it out of love, everything. If we don't have love, Paul says, then, then it's just, we're just making noise. Right. But, but I think sometimes we've lost the effort and, and, and when we're sharing the gospel with somebody and we're teaching somebody how, what they need to do to become a Christian and, and all that kind of stuff. I think sometimes, um, in an effort to not lose that person, so to speak, mm. we, we, we're sometimes afraid, or maybe we, I don't want to say we water it down, but we, we don't maybe tell them the whole, like I was talking about, you know, the, the Lord part of it and, and what meaning the Lord part of it is, is, Hey, the lifestyle you're living can't keep happening. Right. I mean, it's got, it's got to change. Yeah, it does. So, so, I wonder if, do you think that is an issue um, as a whole, like, like for our country and for the church as a whole today that not everybody, I know there's a lot of churches that are still, do you think there's an issue in our, in our world today where a lot of churches are kind of um, 
Jason, what's the word I'm looking for, man? They're kind of, uh, I don't want to say watering down, but to an extent watering down what it means to follow Christ. And um, because, because we don't want to hurt anyone's feelings or offend anyone. And so in the name of grace, well, the whole seeker sensitive stuff really, you know, which I think it's kind of collapsing that whole, you know, idea, you know, uh, really made obstacle for us at least it, not for us but it, it caused some of those ideas to spread oh yeah it it's it's a challenge um i think and i think it goes back to jason just what you said it's that seeker sensitive you know when we were when i was in bible college that's what you heard all the time we need to make our church services seeker sensitive mm. uh, we heard that you know that was probably one of the early 2000s maybe till the mid 2000s something a thing that was going on. Haven't heard of that a lot here lately, but I think we're still doing it to an extent, sometimes it's detrimental uh, to everything as, as a whole. Um, and so what it, what it means for us is just understanding that we're doing, we're doing damage if we don't give them the whole if your life is the same Monday after the decision that you made on Sunday to be baptized or whatever day you were baptized, if your life is the same on Monday in your decisions and your lifestyle, then nothing's happened. Yeah. I mean, immersion means when we come over out of the water grave baptism, our sins are forgiven. We, we have received the gift of the Holy spirit. There has got to be life change. The, the things that now were important to me, aren't as important any longer, aren't important any longer, not as, not as important, but they're just not important any longer. My priorities hopefully will change all of those things. And if it hasn't, then I would agree with both of you guys. We have done the Lord. We've done that. And we've done that person a disservice Yeah. in our total giving of the plan of salvation is one thing. And we can have that to the T, you know, we're not preaching sprinkling. We're not preaching any of that kind of stuff. We can have it down, but if we don't teach them out of the water grave of baptism here now is what needs to take place. And here's what's going to take place. We've done them a disservice. Yeah. Well, and instead of, instead of embracing kind of the, the persecution that comes with right. out mm-hmm. and embracing those things against the world, we've kind of started to embrace the world to try to um, convince it to tolerate us rather right. than, 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 uh-huh. you know, so, and I don't think that's the way it's supposed to be. Cause I, you know, when I read in, in uh, John 15, it says, you know, you, you know, it says if the world hates you, we'll know that it hated me first. Right. Right. And, and, and it says, if you are of the world, the world would love you as its own, but because you were not of the world, but I choose you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. Remember the world or, or the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. So it's something to be expected, right? I mean, it's something it's something um, and, and, and sometimes and I'm not trying to be that guy again. I'm not. I, I think there's a there's a balance there. Right. I've met people who are you know, headstrong on that and they will beat it and beat it and beat it and beat it. And in the name of truth, um, they'll, they'll try to, you know, and and they'll run people off the other way. And I'm not saying that at all, but you know, when Jesus confronted the Pharisees, um, he didn't mince his words, right? He he, he addressed them as, 
you know, a brood of vipers, he, uh, and other, you know, terminology, you know, we, when he saw people trying to make a profit of money by, you know, changing and selling animal, you know, animals in the temple and all this kind of stuff, you know, he, you know, he, he accused them of desecrating the temple of God, um, flipped over the tables, you know, you know, the story, I think he felt this righteous anger toward, you know, the hypocrisy of the Pharisees and all this kind of stuff. Um, but I think, I think Jesus, he, he came to, to bring both. And, and, and I, and I know that's a very popular thing to say, but I think so often we have such, and, and it's just in our country as a whole today, not just, not just in the church, but as a, just people in general is, is this idea of extreme one way or the other. Yeah. Right. There, okay, there's yeah. no, there's no middle ground. It's just like the pendulum swings way this way, or the pendulum swings way this way. And it's like, these mm-hmm. two are just clashing and hitting. Right. What, whatever happened to the middle ground in, in anything? I, I don't know. We don't have a middle ground in anything. Politics. Um, Duke NC state. Right. Yeah. Uh, sports, <laughs> sports, any, any of it. And so what happens is that creeps into the church as well. I mean, let's be honest, the things that the world struggles with, the church struggles with the exact same things. Um, you know, whatever current event it is, you know, the church is, is working through it. Mm, yeah. And I just think that's just, just where we are. Um, and, and because of that, I agree, I agree with you guys. We do, we do have to find that middle ground and understanding of, uh, where people need to be and where God wants them to be. I don't know if you've noticed this, but like, of course in the world, there's so much, you know, we're told all the time. There's like this hatred for the truth. And there is a lot of that things we're battling. We never thought we'd have to deal with in the church. But I found like when I'm sitting down talking to somebody and they can look in my eyes, they, they know I, I care. You can speak truth right. in a way that's not, that they don't even they don't take it to be hateful so like without compromising that i think people there's people that hate the truth but i think people respect that the truth they they have a respect when you tell it yeah i think so and and to and to that point i think a, a relationship with those people is very important my wife and i we we moved to washington about three years ago because we just felt we needed to get out of chocolate a little bit and start meeting other people because we found out that our all of our our group was the church and we weren't getting to know people outside of the church and how am i going to change people's lives if i don't get to know them yeah and and so we we moved to washington and we joined a gym about three years ago and i have noticed now just out of that that a lot of people will come to you because you do have you're doing a class with them at the gym they're seeing you uh outside of the church setting in a, from, you know, a, I guess, a, I don't want to say a more welcoming, but you know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. Neutral. Uh, yeah. And, and so the, those relationships are going to be built. So now I can say things that want, that I couldn't have said after I had met them after a week, Yeah, you know, and I think for us as ministers, we need to realize we need to get out into the community and build those relationships with people. It may mean that, Hey, I don't share the gospel with them for it until a year down the road yeah. right. or a door opens up, maybe hopefully before then, yes. but 
I've got to build a relationship with people. And so that's one of the things that I know that my family has strived to do. And, um, and what's cool is I can see the benefits that Hall Branch has had because of just simply that, um, that people are starting to come to the church now, just simply because I, you know, not just myself, but other people in the church were doing a boot camp class with, you know, 10, 20 other people. Yeah. And now, Hey, somebody in that class, their mom passed away and they want to know, okay, what's why, <laughs> you know, yeah. first of all, yeah. and if God loved me, why did he let this happen? Yeah. You know? And so you get to, it's been really cool to see. It kind of goes back to what you said early about the longevity and ministry, yeah. you know, you, by the time you're there, as long as you've been, you become the, the town's minister, not just the churches. Oh yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. And, it, and it's, and it's a cool thing to see. It's a lot of pressure. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of pressure sometimes because you're getting calls to do funerals of people that you don't know and those kinds of things, which are the hardest. Um, but you also get called to perform weddings of people that you never would have before. And so now as you're sitting down, you're talking to that couple about marriage, mm, you get to yeah. share, you know, why is marriage important? Mm. Why do we have it? It's because of that foundation of love that was set through G through, uh, from God. Yeah. And so that's been the cool thing, um, about all of this. Yeah. So, so it works, it works as a, you know, I, I, and I, I hope that it didn't sound to our listeners. This is a kind of like this, Hey, come to Christ. Your life's going to be horrible. Um, that's not what I mean, but, (laughs) but I, but at the same time, uh, Jesus says that it's going to be worth it. Right. And that's, and that's, that's the big thing at the end of the day, like, you know, where are you, where are you giving your life to? What are you giving your life to? What is the most important thing in your life? Because just knowing and understanding up front, Hey, life, it gets tougher sometimes as a Christian. And that's because you're not living for yourself anymore. I mean, the world around us, the world around us tells us, Hey, live how you ever want to live, do whatever, do whatever makes you happy, do whatever, you know, and, but, but that's not the message of, of the Bible. That's not what we see. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Paul is, is, a, is a, a prime example of that, a guy who wanted to know Jesus on such an intimate level that he, he was like, I want to I die with Christ. Like, I want to die the way that he died. Like, that's mm-hmm. who I want to be um, because that's how close I want yeah. to be to him. And, um, and I think that's a great message for our world. But as you said, like, you know, um, sometimes, uh, sometimes the gospel can be given to somebody in the form of a pizza. Sometimes the gospel can be, you know, and it can be shown, not just spoken, right. Not just mm-hmm. l- let me sit down and share the Bible with you. Sometimes you can be that gospel to someone else. Yeah, um, exactly. yeah like you're talking about. So man, really good stuff today. Um, uh, you know, guys, go uh, go check out Hall Branch Church of Christ. Go check them out on Facebook. Uh, they're doing some great things there, man. Uh, I always say that Jason is uh, part of the Trinity there, right? They had they had that rock star that rock star cast there, uh, right? The uh, DJ, the Maxi, Bobby, the Wallace, and Jason, the Kirkman. Yeah, those were those were good times. Dude, that had to be that had to be a blast to work. It was it was a lot of fun. It really was. It was a lot of fun. I think think we all learned from each other what to do and what not to do as well. (laughs) 
and, and Bobby's doing great things in Raleigh or um, Nightdale, right outside of Raleigh. I mean, over there in Greenville, DJ's got things rolling at Eastern Pines. And uh, and so, anyway, I mean, hopefully the Lord's still using us. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, I think it's awesome. What an awesome group. Um, I was trying to pull more stories uh, at our uh, – I told, told you guys about that 4th of July event we had here at our church. Keith Wood and Nicole uh, yeah. came. And, uh, I started talking and cause I, I was talking to Nicole and she started talking about all these different stories from, uh, from Mac U. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, man, we even got into names like Devon Huss. Come wow. on. That's crazy. You mentioned that. I just saw Devon at Johnson at CLI not three weeks ago. <laughs> I hadn't seen him in 20 years. Dude, he he's down, he's preaching in Tennessee now. Yeah. He's over there. His wife is, uh, he, they are like the dorm parents of one of the dorms there at Johnson. Oh, wow. And so they were on campus. And so he walked by during a D group time and I had to stop the D group and say, man, Devon. And I was like, crap, I haven't seen you in 20 years. But how did, of- how did that work with him and Dave McCants being college roommates? Does anybody know? That, that was crazy. That, I don't know how it worked. I don't know. I don't know how it worked. That was, that was crazy. <laughs> they were mad at each other a lot. I do remember that. <laughs> hey, back, back in the day, I think, I think maybe, I don't know if it was you all or Belmont hosted Dave McCants concert. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yes. We. That, yep. That was my introduction to the Dave McCants band. Yeah. Were you at the lock-in at Newburn where yeah. the Bad Man Pajamas came? Absolutely, I was. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yep. That's crazy. No. That what's crazy. What's funny is, is I was preaching up at Jason's church, uh, like a couple years ago, and we get in his car, man. And he's listening to this CD and I'm like, who in the world is this? And I look down and it says the Dave McCants band on the classic, classic. The and I, t- yeah. I took a picture of it and I sent it to Dave. I'm like, what is going on right now? <laughs> what, is, what is this? Um, and I, I guess I just, I never really yep. experienced the Dave McCants band. So yeah, man, I'm telling you. Uh, real quick, I know you got to get off. You're good. A, a great friend of mine, uh, Brandon Craig, you know him, Jason. Yeah. He's still at Belmont. Been, he's been the youth minister there. That He just celebrated two weeks ago, 25 years being the youth minister at Belmont. Wow. And uh, you don't see that any longer. But uh, anyway, he was he and his wife came down, Nicole, last week, and we went down to the beach for a couple of days, and then we spent a couple of days here at our place. And um, we were talking about, Dave McCants. So in 90, when I went to uh, church camp after my senior year, this has been the summer of 1990, Dave McCants, they were on a travel team from Roanoke called Noble Theme. And they were before their time. This was before, you know, praise bands, all that kind of stuff. And they were ahead of their time. I will always give that, say that about Dave, is he was ahead of his time with all that stuff. Because you didn't, you didn't hear about praise bands and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> before dave you know so it was, trendy dave yep it was that it was that one guy what was the guy that used to always sing without his shoes on uh he died in a car wreck you know rich uh, mullins rich, rich mullins yes yeah. rich mullins it was rich mullins and that's it but uh but yeah dave was a, is a legend and was at that time enjoy god that's exactly right <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right or maybe it's enjoy oh god <laughs> yeah that's right great album man he put, put some good stuff out they Jason's really- gonna go listen to this as soon as he gets off. I don't. I don't even have that. I don't know where it is. <laughs> I've asked. I've asked Dave a couple of times for all that old school stuff, and he says he's got it on a computer somewhere. That uh, 
that he would send me, but I, I still haven't gotten it. But listen, yeah. I don't know how I feel about Dave right now. I was hanging with Malcolm Puckett last week playing golf, uh, playing top golf. And uh, Malcolm says, hey, man, come get a selfie with me. And I was like, all right. So we got a picture taken. And he sends it. He sent it to because I don't know who all he sent it to. But he sent one of them to Dave. And Dave's like, why are you hanging out with Kenny Rogers? <laughs> <laughs> hey, he's a legend. What? I mean, he's what a- do I? Is it? It's the white beard, I think. He's got to be, but I mean, Kenny, I would take that. Kenny Rogers is a legend. The gambler. He's dead, but, you know. Anyway. Maybe maybe I should start going by the gambler. You need to. You need to. I like like it. Hey, I got to get down to Chocowinity sometime soon. I'm missing East North Carolina barbecue to uh, to a tea, man. But, hey, it is good to have you on. Good to see you. Good talking to you. And uh, praying for you, praying for your family and ministry. Um, keep killing it, man. You're doing awesome stuff. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Jason. Thanks, Michael. Y'all hey, have a good care. one, man. All right. All right. This has been a Behind the Micah podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure you check us out next week. And remember, we're always striving to love God, love others, and serve both. <laughs>